But we're not gonna thank God for Mike's commentary. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of ites there. That's a strange passage of scripture, and uh, while I heard your thanks, uh, it's actually the lectionary reading for today. We are following the lectionary uh, during the season of Lent, and uh, this is that really strange passage in parts from uh, the book of Genesis. Uh, the whole part about the animals cut in half and all of that. You know that uh, in, uh, in the Hebrew scriptures when it says that God made a covenant, actually the Hebrew word is cut a covenant. And, uh, and that's actually translated that way in the common English Bible that we heard a moment ago. God cut a covenant uh, with the people. And it's because of this really strange, at least for us, tradition of uh, this animal sacrifice and walking between the halves of the animals. But we're not going to focus on that today. Um, instead, we're going to be talking about doubt and faith and moving from doubt to faith. Um, turning stumbling blocks into stepping stones. That's our theme for this season of Lent. And, uh, and so we have symbols of that. We have the colors, the color wash back here. We have the colors of a kind of light blue or teal color that moves over into purple. These are traditional colors uh, for doubt and, and faith. And um, I want to remind you that if you haven't received a little container, uh, those containers are up here and you can take one of these beads from each of the sides here uh, that represent that transition from doubt to faith. Doubt to faith. Stumbling blocks to stepping stones. That's what our story uh, is about. It is a story that's a long one in the book of Genesis. We first meet Abram at the end of the 11th chapter of Genesis. Uh, simply identified in a long uh, genealogy there. Mike, I could have given you the genealogy to read. <laughs> Where Abram is just uh, identified as the son of Terah. And then the story of Abram and Sarai, his wife, begins in the 12th chapter of Genesis, and it runs for almost 14 chapters. This long story. Someone has said that people in the Bible are always on the move, always moving, always journeying from one place to the other. And you know, that's true of us as well. And the story of Abram and Sarai is a story of journeying. They, God calls them. Uh, Abram's 75 years old, Sarai's 65 years old. God calls them to leave their home and to travel to this new land that God is promising them. And over and over again, God makes the promise that they will have a multitude of descendants and those descendants will inherit the land. And we see that time and time again in the story. But it's not until many years later that that promise is finally fulfilled with the birth of the son Isaac. And along the way, there is this struggle of doubt and faith, doubt and faith. And we see it in our text for today where Abram says to God, essentially, you know, you promised this. Where is the child that you promised us? 
How is this going to happen? And it all seems really impossible. I mean, after all, when the final time of that promise comes, Abram, now called Abraham, he gets a new name, and Sarai, now called Sarah, she gets a new name. And remember, new names in Scripture are always important. They signify something. The name Abram means exalted ancestor. The name Abraham means ancestor of multitudes. And the name Sarai it means princess, but it, the, the name, it's a little bit hard to translate, but it means sort of my princess. It's very intimate, sort of local, but the name Sarah means princess in the sense of princess of many. So they get these new names that uh, speak of the fulfillment of the promise. But finally, when Abraham is 99 and she's 89, the word comes to them that she will conceive and bear a son. You know what their response is. It literally says, Abraham fell on his face laughing. And Sarah, when she overheard the conversation about this, she laughed to herself. And so God says, all right, you're going to name this son Isaac, which means he laughs. They struggled with the whole idea. How could this possibly be? And it is this journey, not of only from one place to the other, but this journey that involves doubt and faith. And do you know that this couple is held up in the New Testament uh, as examples of faith and faithfulness? We have in that uh, chapter, Hebrews 11, it's sometimes called the Hall of Faith, where all these people of faith from the Hebrew Scriptures are listed, and Abraham and Sarah are there held up as examples of faith. But they had their doubts. And what I want you to hear today is that doubt is part of the journey of faith. Doubt is part of the journey of faith. And every person of faith has doubts. Everyone. Think about John Wesley. John Wesley often, well, several times throughout his life would write such things in his journal or in his private diary as, I am not a Christian. Why would he say that? Because at that moment in his life, he had such doubts. He had such struggles with his faith. So many stumbling blocks that he would write, I'm not a Christian. Mother Teresa, you've probably read over the last couple of decades uh, as it became public that Mother Teresa suffered from tremendous doubts. Now St. Teresa, by the way, suffered from, uh, from, from doubts over and over again. And you can imagine with what she saw, the poverty she saw, the suffering that she saw, that she would have such doubts. But she remained a person of faith. And those stumbling blocks became stepping stones for her. The Apostle Paul often liked to use the image of athletics and especially the image of a runner. And I think about, um, I'm not a runner, by the way, unless something's chasing me. <laughs> but, but I think about um, runners, how they describe uh, in, in running, they hit a wall. They come to a place and they describe it that way as a wall. This place that 
that seems insurmountable. They just can't go on. Uh, and yet they go on and they move through that wall. And so when we think about Paul's image of the Christian life or the Christian faith, not so much as a walk, he would say, but as a run, running with perseverance, um, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, Paul would say. There comes those times when we hit a wall, but the key is to continue to move through that, to turn the stumbling blocks by God's help into stepping stones, to move from doubt to a deeper and stronger faith. But it's just part of that, that journey. C.S. Lewis is another example. C.S. Lewis, one of the great Christian writers of the middle of the last century, C.S. Lewis uh, writing about the, uh, af after the death of his wife, Joy, that so devastated him. He said, meanwhile, where is God? You come to him and you bang on the door and all you get is a door slammed in your face and the sound of bolting inside and double bolting and then silence. There are no lights in the windows. Is anybody even home? Was anybody ever there? Now that's C.S. Lewis, a person of deep faith who gave a great witness to the faith. But he had his doubts because it's part of the journey of faith. I love what uh, uh, Frederick Beekner wrote about it. It's my favorite quote about doubt and faith. He said, uh, doubt is the ants in the pants of faith. <laughs> it keeps us awake and keeps us moving. I like that. Doubt is the ants in the pants of faith. It keeps us awake. It keeps us moving. And doubt has that role to play in our lives. Uh, one of my favorite theologians, uh, Paul Tillich, said that um, uh, doubt is not, uh, or faith is not the opposite. Of, uh, doubt is not the opposite of faith. But doubt is part of faith, he said. See, Tillich defined faith as the state of being ultimately concerned. Whatever your ultimate concern is, that's what you have faith in. And if our ultimate concern is God, and if doubt comes into our mind, then we're concerned about that. It spurs us on. The ants in the pants of faith because we want to address that concern. The opposite of faith, he said, is apathy, is unconcern, is not caring. But doubt's not a destination. Doubt is just a way station along the way. It's a place for rest and not residence, as Immanuel Kant said. It's just a stopping place for a while or a place that we move through or a dark valley that we experience, but we're on the move. And those stumbling blocks of doubt become stepping stones for our faith. One writer uh, said that uh, faith is, uh, or, or doubt is, is like an elevator. 
um, it can take us down to deeper levels of truth or take us up to greater awareness and greater vision. I like that image, but it, it serves a function in the development of our lives of faith. So what do we do with this? When we're in a period of doubt, how do we turn that into stepping stones? Well, in essence, we keep moving. We keep acting. We keep serving and loving and giving and praying and worshiping and studying and all those aspects of discipleship because through that we grow. John Wesley recounts how he learned this himself, the one who experienced these severe doubts, shared these finally with uh, Peter Buller. Buller listened as he talked about his doubts and as John Wesley said, maybe I should give up preaching. And his answer was, no, preach faith until you have it. And then when you have it, preach faith. And those same words can apply to you and to me. Serve God until the faith comes and then when the faith comes, serve God. Give until you have faith. And then when you have faith, give faithfully. Study until you have faith. And then when you have faith, study. <laughs> you can fill in the blanks. But you see, there is this movement where those stumbling blocks of doubt become stepping stones of faith. Sometimes we want to short circuit that. We don't, we're not, doubt is not a comfortable thing for us. Uh, and so we want to avoid that. We want to short circuit that. We want to just move through it quickly. Soren Kierkegaard said that we're like, uh, we're like children, school children who want to flip to the back of the math book to get the answers instead of working through the problems. That's a good image, isn't it? I just want to get there. But the thing is, it is a journey, and, and the struggle of doubt makes us stronger. It's like a cicada emerging from its shell on the side of a tree. I remember years ago, we were camping in the little pop-up camper. A cicada had attached itself to the screen, and my family will never let me forget that I filmed that thing on a on a VHS recorder, you know, it's kind of like this. Uh, for like 45 minutes, there is this cicada emerging from its shell. You sort of have to fast forward to get to the... But, but uh, it was fascinating to watch the struggle. I mean, it was just this titanic struggle as the thing came out of its shell and spread its wings out and the fluid is pumped out into the wings because of the struggle and finally then it can fly but it could never fly without the struggle. And I've often thought of that as kind of a parable for our lives of faith, that we have these times of struggling with doubts and with questions, and the church always needs to be a safe place for that to happen. 
so that we can turn stumbling blocks of doubt into stepping stones that further our journey of faith. And the good news of our faith is that's the way doubt can work. And it's by God's grace that we can walk on those stepping stones. It's why now we consider Abraham and Sarah to be examples of faith. But they had their doubts. You know, in the New Testament, there is that disciple, and I'll close with this, but I want to remind you of the disciple Thomas. Thomas the twin, he's called in Scripture, and he's never called Doubting Thomas, but he's been stuck with that terrible nickname. He's no different than the other disciples. None of them believed until they had some experience of the risen Christ. He's no different than the others, but he gets this, he gets this terrible nickname because he expressed his doubts. And, um, but he's Thomas the twin. But nowhere in Scripture do we ever hear anything about the other twin. So who's the twin to Thomas? I, I want to say that it's you and me and every other person of faith. Thomas is our twin. <laughs> He's our twin in that Thomas had his doubts and we have ours. And Thomas came out with a stronger faith. And so can we. As by God's grace, God helps us turn those stumbling blocks into stepping stones. Let's pray. Our gracious and loving God, we are grateful that there is a role for doubt in our lives of faith because we have our doubts from time to time. Oh God, by your grace, Help us never to stop at the stumbling blocks, but to turn them into stepping stones as we move forward in the life to which you have called us. We pray it in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. O Lord, hear my prayer. O Lord, hear my prayer. Help us, O Lord, in the midst of our doubts. Guide us as we seek to walk the path of our true life. Heal us as we recover from our wounds and strengthen us as we face our deepest fears. O Lord, hear my prayer. O Lord, hear my prayer. When I call, answer me. Lord, hear my prayer.
Just as Abram let his questions get in the way of God's promise, so we let doubt corrupt our faith. We come to you in prayer asking for your help in discerning how we could follow your voice. Oh Lord, hear my prayer. Oh Lord, hear my prayer. When I call, answer me. Lord, hear my prayer, oh Lord, hear my prayer, come and listen to me. We seek your light, O oh Lord, to guide us out of darkness. Help us return to your path and walk in your steps. Let us recognize the pride in us and bring us to life in the grace of your kingdom. Lord, hear my prayer, oh Lord, hear my prayer, when I call, answer me. Deliver us, O Lord, from the weight of doubts. Bring us to you, grace-filled and redeemed. With you, O Lord, is life in all its fullness, and in your truth we be brought to the new covenant. O Lord, hear my prayer. 